Hello, I am not Lehman Markowitz, previously on Starry Jazz Winterfest. In winter again, a village not in the snow, there is not a family, the Thompsons, and they are not witches. Now, this story does not take place during the winter festivities of wintering in, in which many things are very, very normal. Mean bads do not walk through a, a snow corn maze and discover a secret house that disappears into the snow. Also, what does not happen? The Thompson siblings, they have their first taste of fried pickles, which is not an important meal to have for young children who one day will grow up to be witches, as the Thompson family will certainly not. Additionally, there was not an ice race, in which there was certainly a winner, and it was decided that it was said right then and there. And finally, I suppose the least important part, I was not consumed by a terrible creature from beyond this world. So, if you want to know what happened, then certainly do not listen to the following episode of Story Drags. Hello, friends. Uh, it's lovely not to see or hear you. Um, you're here with your hosts, Softy and Sam. Uh, on another episode of Story Jazz, an improvised narrative podcast. Welcome back. I can't believe you're making this into a ritual to say it's lovely <laughs> not to see or hear you. Um, it's lovely to be here in some virtual form with you guys during this very strange, very isolated time. We are in the midst of our holiday special today. As I'm sure you understood perfectly clearly in our previously on, you know exactly what's happening and you know all <laughs> the mysteries that still await us. Yeah, let's talk about those mysteries for a second because I think there's a lot of questions yeah. to solve in this episode and we're trying to finish the, the arc this episode. So let's do some meta talk, some storytelling telling. Big meta talk. Uh, I want to bring the mysterious voice Eldritch God and the mysterious house and the witches all into one central uh, magic system. Mythology, yeah. Right? yeah, yeah mythology. Yeah. So I want to connect those all together. That will help solve all of those problems. And then I want to, in a similar way, connect the medal winning ceremony, the winning of the race, yes. and the celebration and decoration of the cake and the town's uh, traditions into sort of one thing. We've already said that the cake replaces the, in, or like is eaten by or something, has something to do with the big reindeer in the center of the yes. town. Yes. Uh, also, the metal is winterberry slice shaped. Um, exactly. Which connects it again to the winterberries, which are also, I think, vaguely connected to the fried pickles, which are like, yes. <laughs> what do we say? The wa version <laughs> of the winterberries? Yes. The Waluigi of winterberries. I also think that uh, saving Lehman is going to be how we discover the magic system. Yeah. And so that's all of that's pretty linear. I think we can do that in one episode. Okay, so let's just try to do that. Do you have an opening scene? I think I do, actually, now that I'm, now that I'm thinking about it. Okay. Take us there. Back into the world of Story Jazz Winterfest. Our eyes open into a scrunched 
sour face of a young girl as she forces herself to eat another bite of the vinegary baked fried <laughs> snack in front of her. Beside her is her brother, also forcing himself to eat this bitter, sour, vinegary snack while Eileen and Maddie look on with pride. Clarence swallows and tries to hold back tears at the corners of his eyes. He's never eaten anything this sour. Really, he's only ever eaten sweets. In Wintringen, winter never leaves. And while Winterfest may be the pinnacle of winter festivities, <laughs> sweets are eaten all year round. Um, I, <laughs> I don't know how exactly the population has accustomed to eating this much sugar, but that's just Wintringen culture. Clarice, on the other hand, despite her twisted, sour face, is ravenously consuming the fried pickle-baked snack. And she looks up at her mother and her aunt, wondering about all the great witchy powers she's about to inherit. The kids have heard about the winter witches of old and the magics that used to course through the veins of all the northerners. The latent magic blood of the northerners. But they hadn't ever considered explicitly that their mother and aunt might actually be witches. Uh, <laughs> now, of course, it makes complete sense to Clarice. Now, <laughs> looking at Eileen's uh, big nose... <laughs> <laughs> and I don't know what, what else are witch stereotypes. But perhaps that's just the key, that Clarence isn't quite sure what it means to become a witch because all he's known is the stern yet playful voice of his mother and the rather distracted and ephemeral aunt. So what does this mean? Clarence says, gulping down another bite. Like, do we get some sort of <laughs> magical powers, but we can never eat sweets again? Oh, Clarence. I promise you you'll be able to eat sweets again. This is a stepping stone in your development, says Madeline. Clarence looks at the, at the pile of fried pickle treats still before them. It's a pretty big stepping stone. Do we have to eat them all? Says, says Clarice. Says Clarice <laughs> as she finishes her first one with a with a twisty-faced gulp. Eileen smiles at her. You, you don't need to pretend you don't like them at all. I see you wolfing them down. This is a, a stepping stone. This is a test, but it is also something you will have to become accustomed to. Our culture... Didn't always eat nothing but sweet treats, you know. We didn't always have an overabundance of winter berries on the trees every year, all year round. There used to be a time, Madeline cuts in, where every winter berry would be savored and pickled and saved for the festivities once a year. It's making sense, wow! <laughs> and now you, the young generation 
of witches. You have to return to those roots to understand how everything began here in Winteringen. And to do that, you must... And then her face shifts. Madeline goes from being slightly deceptive and and coy about the nature of witches in Winteringen to suddenly distressed. Her face turns and she looks at the door and Eileen feels it too. What What's wrong? Is there a, a disturbance in the force? <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. Yeah, Clarence is a huge Star Wars fan. <laughs> Auntie Mads? But Madeline is far away. Someone she loves has just been taken. With trembling hands, she reaches for Eileen. The two sisters look at each other, wide-eyed. And then Mads lets go of Eileen's hands, and Eileen says, Wait, Mad! But Madeline is already out the front door. She's hopping down the steps, pulling her boots on as she goes. Clip, clop, clip, clop, quithum. She makes it into the snow. Opal and Garnet perk their heads up instinctually getting ready to go. They can sense, they can taste, they can, they can hear the anxiety in the air as Madeline is whispering to herself, trying to figure out what, what to do. It could have been anyone. It should have been anyone else. Eileen comes rushing out of the house after her in Birkenstocks <laughs> and crunches into the snow, uh, rubbing her arms. Mads, what is it? I think... I think it's Lehman. He's in trouble? No, I think this year, it's Lehman. This year? It could have been anyone. But this year, unless we do something, it's Lehman. Oh, shit. Okay. Eileen thinks for a moment and then says, Is there anything we can do about it now? And Mads looks off toward Wintering and Center, the glowing, warm center, where the, uh, the rink and the great reindeer idol stand. She takes a step up into the dog sled and says, Oh, I hope so. And she races off into the night. Um, and Eileen watches her go, wants to call after her, but doesn't know what to say, and then <laughs> looks back to the, toward the house where next to the entrance in the snow, a big swath of deep snow has been cut out to make an area where Mads can practice her cake decoration. The kids help them carve a big snow cake and uh, Mads has spent the last few days placing various items of decoration <laughs> onto the cake. It, the result looks shabby at best. Well, Eileen says to herself, guess we have no more time to prepare for tomorrow. Mom? Mom? Two voices ring out from inside. Eileen's eyes linger for another moment on the snow cake, and she puts away these stressful thoughts and focuses on tonight as she steps back into the house. Do we have to eat them all? Yes, you have to eat them all, honey. Don't worry. 
I'll give you some schnapps to wash them down. <laughs> and Cla- Clarence goes, what, really? That seems irresponsible. And she goes, no, not really. Of course not. I, I may be vaguely German, but I'm not going to give children alcohol. Six-year-olds. But even as she makes her way inside and shakes the snow off of her boots, she can't help but glance down the road, wishing her sister well knowing that there wasn't a time too long ago where she would be out there with her. Wind and snow batter the windshield of the Thompson dog sled as it speeds across the ice highway into Wintering and Center. It's empty at this hour. Opal and Garnet are pushing as hard as they can, mushing, is that the sled. That's the technical term. Mush. Mush. I always thought it was mush. They almost fly down the off-ramp into town, skitter and drift around an edge. and uh, It isn't but a few moments before they skid to a halt in the parking lot of the ice rink. Madeline jumps out, pats Opal on the head in passing, and jogs down to the bleachers. Her breath is crystallizing fast now. It's a damn cold night. But a figure approaches her, a bundled up figure, clutching a number of videotapes and a medal, a winterberry-shaped medal. Ah, I knew that I saw somebody out in the bleachers here, announces the approaching figure. <laughs> what is his name? Does he have, do we have a name for him at all? The announcer. Oh, oh hello, the announcer. Um... <laughs> Did you, you said you saw someone else here? Is that what you said? What do you mean, somebody else? I thought it was you who was sitting in the bleachers here earlier. So you did see someone? Yes. That wasn't you. It was me. It was me, she says, forcing a smile. Have a good night. Right, were you also wondering who won the race? Because I figured it out, finally. I'm, I'm, I'm sure I'll find out at, at the festival tomorrow. But don't you want me to tell you now? <laughs> I look forward to hearing it at the festival tomorrow. I really, I really must go. All right. Just remember that with winning the Winterberry Medal comes great responsibility. <laughs> As she walks away, I guess, very quickly. I don't know why I did the distancing voice effect. Love it. But Madeline's thoughts, again, are elsewhere. She opens the creaky gate and pushes out into the bleachers that onlook the ice rink, which is still marked and coned off from the race earlier that evening. They are empty, and the large, glowing reindeer sits just as festively and just as ominously as it did. What do you think would be creepier? A photorealistic reindeer or a cartoon reindeer? In my mind, it's an animatronic reindeer. Like the ones that are out in front of people's houses, but just Like a Chuck E. Cheese reindeer. Yeah, yeah. But enormous, right? It moves kind of robotically, but usually just isn't moving at all. It just looks like it could move. Right, right. Is that what you're thinking of? I don't know what you're thinking of. No, that's perfect. I'm trying to make a Chuck E. Cheese's joke, but I can't oh, no. get it. Also, that's too religious. So we're going to have to bleep that out. Sorry. Exactly. It is. It is. It is. Okay. Uh, her senses aren't as clear as they were when she stood at the house. 
back there, she could feel a clear direction of where it had happened. Now she's just sort of in the midst of this anxious mist. Lehman was here, right? He must have been that figure that the announcer saw, but doesn't look like anything evil happened here. She looks up and down the bleachers, and then she takes one hesitant step out onto the ice. She may not be able to see or feel what's wrong, but she can smell something. Some, some faint scent in the air, some sickly sweet smell in the air. Far more pungent than an ice rink ever should be. <laughs> Generally, ice rinks are unsmelly, right? <laughs> yeah, ice rinks are, are actually curiously unsmelly. Like, there's definitely, like, a... There's, like, sweaty people on There's them. sweaty people, but there's also the Zamboni smell. Like, Zamboni smell is a real thing. What is Zamboni? Isn't that what that thing called that you clean the ice with that to, to like, flat, to, to get rid of all the... Wow, you know a lot about <laughs> ice is, stuff. I'm pretty sure it's called a Zamboni. Oh, uh, yeah. Ice resurfacer, says Wikipedia. Yeah. So there is definitely a Zamboni smell. Like if you're on the ice for a long time, then you get kicked off so they can Zamboni it. And then <laughs> and then you just get back on. You definitely, you can tell. The ice is different. The air is different. It's, But this isn't that. This is sickly sweet. Almost like somebody spilled some syrup and uh, let it go bad. And then she sees something. The only relic that something otherworldly was ever here. In the center of the rink, right in front of the animatronic reindeer's dipped head and its two glowing eyes, is a small slice of cucumber and a tiny marzipan squirrel on top. A sinking feeling sets in. Madeline pads across the ice carefully toward the head of the reindeer. She stares at the cucumber and doesn't dare look up at the reindeer for a moment. As realization prickles up her fingers and her toes, maybe it's just the numbing cold, but the hairs on her neck stand up. She looks from the cucumber toward the snout of the reindeer. She looks up at the long face and the animatronic snout and the two LED eyes, and she squints at it. And under her breath, she says, Are you still in there? Ooh, that's good. And then she reaches out a single gloved finger and taps the reindeer on its plastic nose. Tap, tap. She knows that the McGills are often the ones who set up the reindeer every year because their house is relatively close to the ice rink. She watched it get set up. There's nothing otherworldly about it. Right. She takes a deep breath and she, she pockets the squirrel and cucumber and, and makes sure not to crush it as she steps over the last few bleachers and makes her way around back to the entrance of the waist-high snow maze. Now, she never intended to look for the, for the home of Eldritch Gods with 
one Lehman Markovitz, a <laughs> a uh, quirky southern gentleman, <laughs> an outsider. But she wonders which magic, witchery, witchdom comes from comes from pacts made with ancient eldritch gods. And as the years have dragged on, their connection to these gods and their connection to the magic within them has faded. Eileen and uh, Eileen and Maddie have had spent their whole childhood, their whole young adult life, looking for any chance, any any sliver of of otherworldly power to reestablish that connection. But alas, Eileen even gave up and settled down to have kids, deciding building the next generation was more important than her own. But only now, this Winterfest, the first Winterfest, as chance would have it, that Mads was doing the decorations, this house decides to show up. And on the same night that the one time Maddie has really connected with an outsider, he disappears. And eldritch gods and witchery and witchdom don't work in coincidences. It can't be one. It can't be one that Maddie has finally found somebody that she might possibly just barely like a little bit. <laughs> and in that same night, see them disappear. She crunches through the snow, follows the maze for a bit, trying to figure out which route they took last time, and finds herself going in circles for a while. Then she decides, well, it's only waist high, I'll climb over the walls. And as she does so, she breaks through a couple of them and then hops over another few and still she's going in circles. How is that even possible? She's stuck in the middle of this waist-high maze. It's as if when she looks toward the bleachers and she turns her head 180 degrees to look the other way, the bleachers are there again. And then she turns and she looks for the forest and the forest is there, but then it's all around. And then when she blinks and turns back around again, the bleachers are there, but they're in, they're in a different spot. It's as if the, the world is spinning around her and she, she backsteps and, and crashes through another few walls of the maze she can feel her her breath shortening. She stumbles back and to the ground. How did she ever make it through here? What dark magic is circling around her now that is taking away all her sense of orientation? And is that a dark chuckle that she hears at the very edge of her perception? Uh, uh, uh. <laughs> or is that just Softy being really, really silly on the other end of the planet? She gasps. The cold is creeping all around her now, holding her tight in its grasp. And then she feels a warmth from her pocket. She reaches inside with numb fingers and pulls out a little cucumber, or rather, a slice of winterberry. And the marzipan squirrel atop it seems to bob its head at her and... Maybe she's just hallucinating at this point, but it 
climbs around her finger once and then sits back on top of the winterberry slice. And she blinks and shakes her head and sits up. And the slice is very faintly glowing. It glows a faint blue, faint purple, red, orange, yellow, green, and blue again. Or maybe it's just that Madeline's seeing stars from the fall. Maybe she hit her head. But as she looks up toward the edge of the maze again, she sees lights in the distant dark glowing in the same multicolored pattern. An orchard. A small, wooded clearing. What did Mother always say, she remembers. Who the fuck knows? (laughs) (laughs) When... When the elders need you, they'll come to you. Or something like that. And she again climbs over the walls of the maze and makes haste toward the little woods at the edge. Somehow now she breaks through the waist-high snow wall at the end of the maze and just crunches through the snow on numb feet until she meets the first evergreen tree. And leans against it. Okay, I got something here. Hit you, me. You run with me here? Hit me. The house is back. This little house with a fire on the inside. And a little table with a little cookie sheet that once was filled with 20 or 30 cucumber slices and squirrels atop them. It's empty now. And the squirrels in the trees have long gone to bed. But the fruit still glimmer, and the fire still beckons. As she gathers her breath and pushes off the evergreen tree, she stumbles toward the house. She's afraid of even putting her feet on the steps in front of her for fear that if she acknowledges even once the existence of the house, it'll vanish again. But it's cold, and she's desperate. And so she puts her first foot forward. Clump. The house is real. Clump. She pushes herself up onto the next step. And as she reaches the third, the door in front of her creaks open ever so slightly. Madeline gulps. For a moment, she questions if it is so wise to just waltz into a place of such ancient magic but then a wave of warm gingerbread and cookies and winter berry jelly smell washes over her and almost magnetically pulls her closer to the door as she steps inside and finds herself in the McGill's bakery What? Huh? It's closed at this hour. But she's wait, 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 wait. What the fuck? Yeah, I'm I'm bringing, bringing, um, I'm bringing this shit together. With the dull thought of a piece of snow hanging precariously over a roof, falling into a pile below, the sun warms the small town of Wintringen. Aren't we in the middle of winter, though, so it should be always night? Well, it depends on how north it is, I suppose. 
I just realized that, but it's okay. Maybe it's just a couple of hours of, of sun. Yes, the sunlight sparkles on the snow and uh, Eileen stretches and yawns. She didn't get a lot of sleep after last night's stress and she's been up waiting to feel some sort of disturbance as something might happen to Maz. She glances at the front door and sees that Mads' boots are still missing. So she pads on over to the kid's room and takes a deep breath, puts on a smile, and throws open the door. Good morning, good morning, it's Winterfest today! Ah! And then Clarice pulls the cover over her face and hides under her pillow. Clarence sits upright. Oh boy, it's Winterfest! And he jumps out of his bunk bed and lands on the floor almost <laughs> dangerously. <laughs> he runs up to Eileen and hugs her around the waist. Happy Winterfest, Mom! Are we heading into town? No, not quite. Okay, yes, happy Winterfest, dear. Clarice, get up! We're not going into town just yet. There are a few more things that we have to do before we can engage in the festivities. And suddenly, Clarice remembers that she's a witch. And she peeks her head out from under the pillow. And like a, <laughs> I don't even know. Like a bolt of lightning. Yeah. She launches herself out of the pillow past <laughs> Clarence and past her mother and down the steps with a tumble and a roll. As she clatters into the dining room table, bowling a few chairs in the process. <laughs> this is the third time that Cl Clarice has launched herself at she, something. She, she's a hyper like, young girl who just runs she's around crazy. She's a ballistic crazy. missile. That's what she, she is. She is a ballistic missile. <laughs> Clarence and uh, Eileen come rushing into the dining room and Clarice is picking herself up out of the mess. I'm okay, she says. <laughs> Uh, Clarence rushes to her side either way and picks her up and brushes some uh, uh, crumbs from yesterday's meal out of her hair. <laughs> some shrapnel from the table off of her. <laughs> some shrapnel from the explosion. <laughs> Eileen, still smiling and rejoicing at the energy of these two children she has put into the world, still is pushing down the anxiety of Mads' absence. As she says, Right. We don't have too much time, you two. Um, we've got to, uh, well, prepare the ritual. The witch. The, witch, the ritual. <laughs> prepare the, <laughs> prepare the ritual. <laughs> Clarence goes, oh no, mother, have you developed a speech impediment? <laughs> and Clarice says, yay, witches. Come on then, Eileen says, we'll do it in the garden. And Clarice, again, launches herself. <laughs> Three, two, one. An explosion at Clarice's feet, and she jettisons out the window. Uh, and as Eileen and Clarence follow her, Clarence looks up to his mother and grasps her hand and says, Um, where's Aunt Maddie? Oh, she went into town last night. She had something to uh, take care of. Eileen doesn't want to lie to her child, but she's being vague on purpose. And Clarence notices this. But he doesn't pry. So, Eileen claps her hands together 
as they stand in the yard next to a huge cake made of snow and decorated shoddily. I'm sure you are completely clueless as, what it, as to what it really means to be a witch. Clarence says, Yup. And Clarice says, I'm a witch! <laughs> <laughs> Clarice probably knows exactly what it means to be a witch. I'm gonna curse people and turn people into frogs and turn people into toads and curse people a lot and ride a broomstick. Yeehaw! <laughs> and Clarence Yeehaw. just sort of goes, mumbles to himself, that's uh, cowboys, not witches. I forget it. <laughs> In fact, you're both right, children. My great-great-grandmother was a witch. Her grandmother... Her mother, her daughters, and now you, the both of you. But over the years, being a witch has changed. It's no longer about cursing and toads and yeehawing about on a broom. <laughs> it's now about responsibility. And when she says yeehawing on a broom, she turns to Clarice. And when she says responsibility... She turns to Clarence. Clarice looks a little disappointed that there will be less toading and less brooming about, but she's interested. And Clarence, for the first time, thinks being a witch might not actually be so bad. You've already consumed the pickles, the traditional snack of Winteringen's witches, and in fact, once upon a time, the traditional winter snack. See, back in the day... We witches communed with a wide variety of, how should I call them, elder beings, creatures from a different world, a world of dreams and ether. Clarence and Clarice both look a little confused trying to wrap their heads around this information, as I'm sure the audience is as well at this point. <laughs> But our connection to these beings in this world has become attenuated over time. And now, while these beings do exist, they are outsiders. Only one of the Elder Gods still holds sway in Wintringen, still has power, and it is a, a wicked one, unfortunately. But wickedness and justice are human concepts, not those of the Elder Gods. So it may actually be more accurate to describe this god as hungry and a bit impatient. And it may be more accurate to describe us witches, me and my sister and now you too, as guardians. Or ambassadors to these creatures who used to live so harmoniously with us, and now, well, the communication isn't exactly ideal at this time. My sister and I spent a great deal of time looking to reestablish those communications. And I would say that we failed, but we have you. And so I would never call my life a failure. And she smiles at the kids. 
Does any of this make any sense to you? Clarence nods and Clarice shakes her head. (laughs) Then Clarice glances at Clarence and nods and Clarence glances at Clarice and shakes his head. (laughs) Eileen sighs and goes, it doesn't matter. You'll grow into the job. What I'm saying is there's no great magic to be had today. There's no great cursing or toading or launching of fireballs at anyone currently. No yee-hawing on brooms. No yee-hawing, I'm sorry. Not right now. Not unless you were able to (laughs) forge a bond with an elder the way that our great-great ancestors once did. Uh, The two kids look sullenly at the ground. Clarice contemplating that she won't get any magic powers, and Clarence contemplating that Luckily, he won't get any magic powers, but there's still some responsibility (laughs) coming toward him. However, I did promise you a ritual. What is the second most important part about being a witch? And they both look up again to see her holding two tall, pointed, black hats. (laughs) Awesome. Clarice, uh, Clarice lights up immediately. And Clarence can't help but smile, too. They both run up to her to snatch the hats out of her hands. Well, hello there, friends. Come join me outside in this lovely rainy afternoon. Let me tell you a story about a podcast that once existed. Why is it rainy? <laughs> this is snow. This is a snow episode. You can't it's, make it rain. I can make it. I can. I can make it rain if I want to. It is my. You cannot podcast. make it rain. You are not yet earning those big podcast bucks. That's true. But that's okay. That's why we're gathered here right now. <laughs> in fact, this is another ad break where we read ads for ourselves because we do not have sponsors. Uh, the ad goes as follows. Please follow us on Instagram and Twitter at StoryJazzCast. And email us at StoryJazzCast at gmail.com. Also, if you listen on any of the various podcasting apps that have ratings, Apple Podcast, I think Google Podcast has two, give us a rating, give us a review that helps us pick up more listeners. And we want more friends because the more friends we have, the happier everyone is. We're taking some time off for the holidays, but we're also trying to stay on schedule. So we're going to be recording the next few episodes very, very soon. Can you tell us what those are going to be about, Softy? No, I can't because we are <laughs> doing an improv podcast. <laughs> because it's an improv podcast. So I don't know what they're about. Um, but also we're hoping to do a couple of one-offs, try to lean heavier into our improv yeah. and away from our long form narrative. Um, so I think next time we're going to do another idea machine. So you'll have to tune in next time to know what that looks like. I'm really excited for it. It's the 24th of December, the day this episode releases. So that's that's a day that matters to people. Uh, we're in the smack dab in the middle of the holiday season, and we hope you have a wonderful holiday time and enjoy the show as you do so. Share it with your family. Uh, share some eggnog. Also, Because of just how crazy everything is right now with the virus, please be safe. Stay safe with your family. If you're traveling, wear a mask. Um, If you're not traveling, good on you. 
uh, connect up with your family and friends over over Zoom. We're living in the digital age, you know? You can listen to people's voices across the globe, see their faces and everything. I, For those of you who aren't traveling to see family, I also am not traveling to see family. And so if you think that you're alone over the holidays, you're not because I'm there. Just just write to storyjazzcast at gmail.com. Put holiday in, in the subject line and and we'll give you some, some story jazz love. Because as always, we love you. We love you. The lovely smell of pastries and bread fills Mads' nostrils. And she wakes up. <laughs> she sits up abruptly on a bed. On a unfamiliar bed in an unfamiliar room. But the smell is more than familiar. It's a smell she smelled almost every morning for decades. Whenever she would go to town and purchase some nice, warm, baked goods. She stands up and brushes off her pleated skirt and looks at the room around her. It's a small but comfy room with old floorboards and old walls made of the same tree. Around her are scattered suitcases, but the clothes are folded in them as if they haven't been used as suitcases for months, like they're makeshift closets and dressers. At the far end of the room is a desk, and on it is a small file folder and a picture in the corner of two people embracing a woman she doesn't recognize and one Lehman Markovitz. He looks so young. The beard barely comes down to his midsection. Sorry, the beard barely. <laughs> <laughs> right, right. It doesn't even drag on the floor, on the ground yet. He must be barely 25 in this photo. This has to be three decades ago. Madeline remembers. Lehman was staying with the McGills. That's why this place smells so deliciously bakery e. E. <laughs> Um In her search for that elusive elder's house, she somehow made it back to the McGill's residence in town. Shaking her head, blinking, trying to remember what happened yesterday, she slowly descends the stairs into the bakery below. And her thoughts are interrupted by a young voice. Oh, hey, um, Miss Thompson, you're, you're up already? Uh, how did you sleep? Are you feeling okay? Is that Cookie Face's voice? Yeah. Hi, everybody. It's Cookie Face McGill. Yeah, and your 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 intonation is right, but I remember him being younger. But that's fine. Uh, hey, hey, um, everybody. It's Cookie Face McGill. Oh, oh gosh. Oh gosh. I'm turning oh, into Goofy. Oh, oh gosh. Uh, it's Goofy Face Hi, McGill. Hi, Goofy. Hi, Goofy. Whoa, that's me. Perfect, Mickey. Oh, hey, Mickey. <laughs> We <laughs> <laughs> both started doing Donald We're both at the like, same time. Yeah, okay. 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 Such nerds. Oh. Hi there, uh, Cookie Face. 
And <laughs> she still feels weird every she, every time she calls him that. It almost feels like an insult from childhood has stuck, and she just feels bad calling him that. But he smiles as she says his name. Did you want to join us for breakfast? We're um having breakfast. <laughs> uh thank you. That's that's very kind. But how did I how did I get here? I I don't mean to be rude. Um, I don't. Oh, remember? No, you're not being rude at all. You um you just walked in and collapsed. At least that's how my mom described it. Uh, are your are your parents home? Yup. Over in the kitchen room with the breakfast. <laughs> um, <laughs> I don't know why it's so hard for Cookie Face to just even talk. <laughs> um, would you thank them for me? Uh, I I really have to go. Okay, I'll do that. Um, you take care of yourself. Do you want to take a pretzel? Um, they're soft sure. and warm, fresh from the oven. Any. Extends a, he extends a whole platter full of them. Um, yes, thank you. Actually, Cookie Face, have you seen, have you seen Lee, Lehman recently? Oh, um, Lehman? You mean the weird bearded guy? Yeah, le- yesterday at the race, but not since then. All right, um. Doesn't he live here, though? <laughs> <laughs> um, so he didn't he didn't come home last night. Nope. Oh, yeah, weird. Actually, and he turns a little bit red. Actually, um my mom commented that he thought he was at your place. Oh, um yeah, yeah, no. Um thank you for the pretzel and, and thank you. Thank your parents. I, oh, okay. I really have to go. No, I didn't mean to. Okay, I didn't mean to. Sorry. Thank Sorry. you. Sorry. Goodbye. Thank um, you. Goodbye. Good Sorry. Good morning. Good morning. <laughs> And she, with a jingle jingle, walks out the front door of the bakery. Cookie Face is left behind, flustered and blushing, and goes into the kitchen to have breakfast with his parents. And he, and he walks into the kitchen to the sound of uh, pans clattering and dough being kneaded. But the kitchen is empty. Mads hits the streets. <laughs> Chapter eight, Mads hits the streets. <laughs> um, Her heels are crunching to the, through the snow as the clock tower at Town Hall rings out 13 times. I was about to do like <laughs> bong, bong 13 times. But that's you, can bong, bong, you can bong, bong as much as you want. I'm going to continue the story. Um, okay. Bong, bong. Ahead of her, bong, the streets bong. are blocked. There are crowds of people uh, trundling toward the ice rink. And she can see, even from here, the large animatronic deer being lowered off the plinth and replacing it. A massive cake. Oh, gods, she says. The decoration. She'd totally forgotten in last night's panic. She was supposed to start decorating... This morning. And our audience knows we didn't forget. We're real improvers. <laughs> yes, yes. She picks up her pace and um, starts pushing through the crowd. Excuse me. Excuse, I, excuse me. Um, uh, Auntie Maddie! Auntie Maddie! She hears the voices of two kids somewhere in the crowd. Oh, Madeline. And a sigh 
of relief. As Eileen's strong hand grabs Madeline by the shoulder and yanks her to the side, freeing her from the clot of people in the middle of the street. Suddenly, the whole family is together again. Eileen with Clarence and Clarice at her side, and Maddie uh, stumbling with a pile of pretzels on her arm, <laughs> trying not to look panicked. Oh, hello. Um, the hats. The hats. I, I'm so sorry I wasn't there to, to give you the hats. They look so lovely on you. I'm a real witch. <laughs> Clarence says, with great power comes great responsibility. Except we don't have powers, but hey, we have hats, <laughs> says Clarice. And then she, Clarice bolts off yelling, Yeehaw! She picked that old broom up somewhere and has been running around on it all day. Well, I, I suppose enthusiasm is the first step in witchery and witchdom. Oh, um, Auntie Maddie, I was going to ask, what exactly is the difference between witchery and witchdom? Because you keep saying both of those terms, and <laughs> I don't really understand. Well, witchery is the act of witchiness, and witchdom is the land in which uh, witchery and witchdom and, and witches and witching occurs, clearly. And Clarence looks at her and nods and says, okay. Clearly not satisfied by the answer. <laughs> Maddie nods as if she's done an adequate job describing and <laughs> says, I really don't I need to be up there. And she points up at the cake that is precariously being leveled onto the plinth at the middle of the ice skating rink. Yes, um, I suppose you should. An undecorated cake will make for a rather unusual <laughs> Winterfest service, don't you think? And Maddie looks closer and sees that currently the Winterfest cake, which is like three meters tall and at least as wide across is just a cylindrical piece of dough, pretty much. Just a great large cylinder. With no decoration. I'm gonna I'm gonna go do my job. Um, Eileen, could you do me a favor? Of course. Can you watch the reindeer? And Eileen raises an eyebrow and then nods. I'm not sure but I have my suspicions. And she disappears into the crowd. Come on then, kids, Eileen says, managing to grasp Clarice by the hand as she passes by on her broom. You've got a role in this too. Eileen brings the kids to the skating rink where around the announcer's cabin, some folks have gathered to hear the declaration of the winner of last night's race. And in front of us, we have two of our four contestants. We have Brittany Britneyson and Cookie Face McGill. We are standing here. We've got the uh, the winner's plinth. We've got um, the we got the Winterberry Medal, and we're just waiting on the two other contestants, uh, the Thompson kids. And there they are in the back. Make some room, Clarence, Clarice, come up front. Can we just, like, move this along, says Brittany Britneyson. We know that I'm the winner, right? Like, there's no way Cookie Face passed me. And the twins were, like, at least two meters behind me when I crossed the finish line. I'm pretty sure. No speculation or bribery will be allowed at this point. And Cookie Face looks up and says, Wait, bribery was an option? Which makes it seem like I allow it earlier in the competition, which I do not. <laughs> I have so many cookies to bribe people with. <laughs> And cookies are the, the <laughs> currency in Wintrigan, probably. Clarence and Clarice uh, shuffle their way through the crowd, uh, Clarice bowling people over and Clarence being dragged along behind her as they um, slide out onto the ice in front of the announcer, who is um, stabilized himself 
on a uh, small rubber mat. <laughs> because he can't stand on it. Wow. Before the cake decorating facilities begin and our very own uh, Madeline Thompson will perform the cake decorating ceremony, I'd like to announce the winner. Everybody, take your seats. Take your seats. And uh, all the people gathered um, sort of take seats in the bleachers with their winterberry snacks and their marshmallows uh, and listen intently because this is an integral part of the Winterfest festivities. The declaration of the ice race winner, which has traditionally always been a child, and recently always been Brittany Britneyson, simply because she's 14 and way bigger and faster than everybody else. As you know, the winner of the ice race plays an integral role in placing the Winterberry Metal atop the Winterfest cake before it is offered metaphorically <laughs> to our, uh, to the elder beings who once lived in Winteringen and protected it with its ma- with their magic and he says this sort of sarcastically because nobody really believes in that stuff anymore because because all the adults know that the elder beings are a children's story and all the children here are pretty much old enough that their parents have probably told them that the elders uh that the elder gods are a myth so be careful kids you know the elder gods have a penchant for People who like sweets too much, so listen to your parents and don't stay out on the ice rink too late. <laughs> he laughs. <laughs> and um, Eileen and Mads both can't laugh at this. <laughs> Enough tomfoolery. It's time that I announce the actual winner of this year's ice skating race. First, I must say, Brittany Britneyson, you put up an excellent <laughs> fight. You are uh, the pride and joy of our ice skaters. But unfortunately, this year... Thank you. Thank you. But um, did you just say unfortunately? You were not the winner. What did you say? Did you just say unfortunately I was not the... Oh, my God. Secondly, I'd like to congratulate Cookie Face McGill on an excellent performance that nobody expected. But unfortunately, you were not the winner. <gasps> oh, that's okay. Hey, I, I really tried my best, you know, and and... I just hope everybody enjoys the Winterfest um, festivities, and I brought some cookies so that we can celebrate together. And Brittany's, Brittany is still, Gods, I'm a failure. <clears throat> Why? <laughs> Why? Brittany's. <laughs> and Brittany is still staring at the ice in, in shock. How didn't I win? I always win. And she reaches over sort of blindly and grabs like a handful of cookies off of Cookie Face's platter and just shoves them in her mouth. Now, our final two siblings, Clarice and Clarence. The two look at each other, stunned. It took me all evening to uh, distinguish between the bits of skate that were just crossing the finish line as you both made it there. But I have made a determination. Clarence, congratulate your sister. She is the winner. <laughs> she is the winner. Why the- would you say it like that? Shot <laughs> someone in the back. <laughs> she is the winner of this year's ice skating rink and our grand champion, Clarice Thompson. The bleachers erupt with cheers. 
<laughs> Except for that one guy in the back who's like, why you gotta make it so fucking tense every year, bro? And somebody else goes, don't swear, it's the winter holiday episode. It's family friendly. It's the fucking Winterfest. <laughs> and like the true thunderbolt that, he, that she is, Clarence reaches out for his sister, but she's already sliding around the track cheering. She's already made a full loop around and grabbed the medal out of the announcer's hand and waved it above her head. And Mads sees this as she stands on top of her ladder, decoration tools ready in hand. A bucket of tasty marshmallow snow and a, and a little pallet in her hand as she's applying it very unevenly. She smiles for a moment, seeing the joy in her niece's face as she holds up her shimmering metal and then swallows as she realizes what this means. What does this mean? I think, I think she has to like come into direct contact with the elder God because they're uh, okay. Yeah. Hell yeah. Part, as part of the ritual. I don't know. <laughs> Let's just see what happens. Yeah. 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 Now then, now then you can stop cheering. Stop, stop jeering at me and booing me and, and cheering for the winners. Um, Cheer for the winners, yay! But also boo because, gosh, announcer, can you like take it down a notch? Some people here are, <laughs> are really prone to anxiety. <laughs> I think the takeaway today is that all of our young ice skaters have grown really quite good. And I'm proud of you all. I'm going to return to my announcer's booth where I live until next year where I will emerge again. <laughs> I will slumber deeply <laughs> and dream of peculiar seasonal sports <laughs> that I cannot indulge in myself. And he takes one step off of his rubber mat and slips on the ice and falls. And cracks his head open and dies! Oh no, God. No. <laughs> oh God, I clipped the mic on that. <laughs> Usually I'm the one who kills off people in this show. He slips and falls and then shamefully <laughs> walks back to his booth. <laughs> shamefully slides across the ice on his stomach back to the <laughs> announcer booth. Can't fall when you've already fallen. <laughs> well, it was an honor um, racing with you guys, says Cookie Face, shaking Clarence's hand and placing a cookie in it, and then also shaking, uh, trying to shake Brittany's hand, but she, but she just takes a hand, another handful of cookies yeah, instead. Her fists are filled. Um... I uh, actually got to head out. I, he like glances at the clock tower, which is visible from here. I got somewhere to be. And he just drops the platter of cookies and runs off. Clarence and Eileen look after Cookie Face, a little bit disturbed. The rest of the audience is too busy cheering and Clarice is too busy racing about to notice. Doesn't the announcer also handle the main fest festivities of the decoration? Or now I guess actually I forgot. I'm also <laughs> supposed to be handling the rest of the announcing of the festivities. So I've come back onto the ice here to oh, announce God. that we're. <laughs> hey, 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 everybody! <laughs> um, messed up again. Somebody in the back goes, "Announcer, you you gotta like get a you different job." <laughs> you're terrible at this. <laughs> no, we love you anyway. But it's like, jeez, <laughs> you're really lucky. This is a small town, and there's only one announcer guy. So, Madeline Thompson. Uh, yes, yes. Hello. Have you and finished me. decorating the cake? 
and he stammers a bit at the end as he notices that the cake is is still a pile of dough that's only partially covered with a sort of lumpy marshmallow fluff. Madeline responds, Uh, no, I'm, uh, actually, I'm Clarice. You're the champion. Why don't you come up here and help me? Ah, yes, the announcer announces. As is tradition, the champion of the (laughs) ice race now participates in the decoration. Usually they only place the Winterberry Medal carved from the year's largest Winterberry atop the Winterfest cake. But also usually at that point, the cake is already decorated. Whereas this year (laughs) it appears to be behind schedule. However, it is not unheard of for the decoration to take uh, longer, I suppose. There's no rule against it. Traditionally, the cake takes very long to decorate and thus could take many days. And thus we are still within the confines of our wintering in tradition. Eileen and Clarence um, move up into the crowd trying to get a good vantage point. And uh, Eileen lifts Clarence up onto her shoulders so he can see his sister clambering up the ladder that leads onto the Winterfest cake. The crowd cheers as Clarice hops on top of the fondant top of the cake next to her aunt. With her ice skates. (laughs) With her ice skates. She sort of sinks in a bit, but is able to balance on top and holds up the Winterberry medal. I'm envisioning Clarice holding a great victorious speech at this moment. Would you like to grace us with those words? Clarice is victorious? Yeah, okay. Please, Softy, take it away. Hello, everyone. (laughs) I am a witch. (laughs) And I am the fastest witch in all of Wintringen. Woo, says somebody in the back. (laughs) She, of course, still has her large witchy hat, and so declaring herself a witch is actually not all that unusual to any of the audience (laughs) members. Witches are real? Cool. I am going to get witchy powers, and I'm going to turn you all into toads and yeehaw on a broom. Okay. (laughs) (laughs) Thank you for being my experiments. Thank you for acknowledging my very clear uh, superiority in terms of raciness. Wait, 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 wait. Oh, God, no. Oh, no. Oh, no, that's not what I meant at all. I don't know where you were going. My race superiority. Because she won the race. Oh, I know what you're doing now. Oh, no. That's a big blooper. Thank you for acknowledging the fact that I am faster than anyone and a witch. I am a witch. <laughs> Yay, Winterfest! Everybody everybody waits for a moment, unsure if this is the end of the speech. And then Eileen nervously starts clapping. And everything erupts in applause again. Now bear witness, says the announcer, as our champion places the winterberry slice on top of the cake. Finishing the cake... Except for the fact that it's not finished being decorated, but hey, uh, that's that's cool. The uh, <laughs> wink, wink, elder gods can come and eat it now, right? Ha <laughs> ha! Ah, what a nice tradition, folks. And as Clarice places the winterberry slice totally off center, somewhere on top of the cake, looks at it and nods, satisfied. A loud creaking echoes from the back of the rink. 
Oh, I think I hear them approaching now. The old gods that used to live in the north with us. <laughs> and the whole crowd sort of nervously chuckles. And they seem to think it's amusing to add this extra little bit of tradition. They think for a moment that the animatronic reindeer that is getting up on its four legs and slowly wobbling over its way to the center of the rink is just a show. It's kind of eerie and unsettling to see this robot walking toward them, but it's just a show, right? (laughs) And then a voice rings out as the animatronic deer's mouth opens, splitting all the way around its head. Thick thank yous, my thoughtful thousands. Ha <laughs> that's awesome. Gasp and gape as I gorge gluttonously. And the reindeer thunk, 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 walks closer onto the ice now toward the cake in the center of the rink. Madeline grabs Clarice's shoulders instinctively and looks at this creature, this chaotic being. She racks her brain for all of the various stories of the ancestors of her great-great-grandmother. How do they communicate with these creatures? How do they form these bonds? What was the first step? She knows she has to speak to this creature somehow if she ever wants to see Lehman again, if there's even any hope of seeing him again. But again, the voice echoes out. A slow, sleepy slumber I slurped. Chimed awake to chomp and chow on children. And the crowd is silent. Eileen is staring wide-eyed at this creature. It's real. I mean, they always knew that the elders were real and not just a myth, but this one is here, and this one is talking to them. It's real in a way that she could have never imagined. Whatever summoned it, she, she can't know, but now that it's here and talking of eating children, oh boy, she's looking down now, glancing at... Clarence, her son, and then up at Clarice, her daughter, her perfect twins, are they in danger by this inconceivable ancient creature? And she looks at Mads, who meets her gaze for a moment, and she knows that the two of them are the only ones who are even close to knowing how to deal with a creature like this. What are they going to do? Madeline Thompson grabs Clarice off the top of the cake and hugs her close to her and then sticks her small palette knife into the cake and holds a finger in front of the eldritch god embodying the animatronic giant reindeer. And she screams, A deal! And the reindeer is in the middle of saying another thing. It's time to taste. It stops. A deal. The reindeer lifts its animatronic head and LED eyes 
become fixed on Madeline. What sort of deal would you offer? Are you one of the... What is the Eldritch God's name for the witches? They wouldn't call them witches. Chosen. Messengers. Um, speakers. Speakers is good. Are you a speaker? Madeline blinks for a moment, confused, and then realizes, Speaker, right, that's what the elders called the witches of old. Yes, I am a speaker, and as is my niece, we are your servants. But a deal we make for that agreement. What is your deal? A taste, says Madeline. Just like you said, but not of this cake. And the reindeer rattles with hunger and impatience. A taste of what? And Madeline looks down off the side of the cake at Eileen, who meets her gaze and nods, understanding. Eileen reaches into a pouch at her belt. She still has some here. Yes, she does. She hands a little bundle to Clarence. There, run up, run up top. And Clarence, confused, climbs the ladder with his little bundle in his hand and runs out to the middle of the cake, now up on top with his sister and his aunt. A taste of this one? And the animatronic deer (laughs) smiles again, this time fixing its glare on Clarence. (laughs) No, 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 no. Uh, He's just bringing it to me. Thank you. And Madeline opens the bundle in Clarence's hands and reveals the last three leftover fried pickles. What is this witchery and witchdom? They're like winter berries, says Madeline, but they taste unlike anything you've ever tasted. I can promise you that. Let us taste. And with that the animatronic deer's head rotates on itself in some unworldly, non-Euclidean shape as it opens up, (laughs) splitting the very time and space around it, this maw circularly opening around the two glowing, piercing LED eyes. Throw it in, child. And Clarence stands jittering before this hole in reality, which is the mouth of an elder god, and is paralyzed for a moment until Clarice steps up next to him and holds his hand. And she says, Responsibility! And Clarence meets her eye and nods and swallows, picks up one of the fried pickles, and Pops it into the reindeer's mouth. (laughs) (laughs) And with a... The mouth closes around it. And the little LED eyes spin in circles as these taste buds of indescribable origin pierce the fried pickle and perforate it, trying to extract all of the flavor it possibly can. And if you've ever seen an animatronic deer make a sour face, this is just like that. (laughs) But to the nth degree. What 
who, how, this, what, this, taste. It's pretty good, right? Says Madeline. Give us the rest. It's not too sweet, is it? It's sour instead. Give us the rest. All right, all right. I said we were making a deal, did I not? A deal. What do you desire? I want Lehman. Mmm. Lehman. Yes, Lehman. And as a gasp goes through the bleacher, she realizes that <gasps> she has just said in front of all of Winteringen that she wants Lehman. Lehman. She wants Lehman. She yes. Wants Lehman. All of the she greatest gossip has been confirmed. She wants Lehman. She wants Lehman. She wants Lehman. She wants Lehman. Did you hear? Madeline do be wanting Lehman, though. She wants Lehman. The outsider. You would bargain the outsider for your treasures. Yes, and maybe the others as well. The others? We've had a few disappearances over the last years. About one every Winterfest. I assume Lehman isn't the first to be... She swallows. Gobbled up by your kind. Would you mind returning everybody? I will speak to us. <laughs> but Lehman, I can return. And like a snake, the animatronic deer unhinges its jaw and opens up and spins its face around, letting its LED eyes roll back into its head as the maw opens circularly around it. And though there was no place for Lehman to hide, he falls wet onto the ice below with a thump. His body steaming from the internal heat of this ancient creature and melting the ice around him immediately. He chokes and coughs and twitches. <coughs> And Eileen rushes to his side. <laughs> now, speaker. Now, speaker. Give us the treats. Madeline nudges Clarence, and Clarence just quickly tosses the last two fried pickles into the Heldrich's abomination's mouth. <laughs> That's some good shit. <laughs> no. Without chewing, without the exquisite tasting that just occurred, the reindeer looks at the two young witches and says, You are fine speakers. Carry on. And both of them feel a warm glow at the pit their stomach. And just as quickly as the reindeer emerged, it takes a half-creaky step back and another step back off the ice, and it retreats to the pile of lumber on which it was lying just moments before, dead and inanimate. And it collapses. The crowd erupts in cheer. 
Some shout, what a show, what a show, wow, how did they even build that thing? Did you see, like, the quantum mechanics shit that was going on when it ripped a <laughs> hole in space and time? That was amazing special effects. While others are shocked and traumatized, just jittering with the f feeling of having met one of the ancient elements of the universe. And the announcer is back as well. Uh, what an amazing display we saw there. Sorry, folks, I had to step outside for a minute and I didn't realize that I was still needed to announce what was going on, but it looks like uh, things worked out great for everybody involved, except for you, Lehman. Are you okay, Lehman? 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 Lehman goes, <coughs> No, I feel off awful and I'm dying. And everybody looks really, really concerned for a moment and then uh, Mads goes, Honey, um, are you still doing the lying thing? Or is that uh, over? No, I am still not doing it. And he nods. And everybody's still as confused as before. Yeah. I, and Maddie sort of puts her head against his wet, saliva-covered chest and just exhales. She looks up at Eileen, her sister, and then at the two twins, and breathes relief. And Eileen smiles at her and says, Well, for a witch who has never spoken to a god, you did a pretty good job there. Hey, thanks, I think. But the decorations could still use some work. <laughs> and she looks up at the terribly, lumpily decorated cake and says, Which is now also like <laughs> trampled by, stomped upon. by <laughs> yeah. ice skates and everything. Well, traditions are meant to evolve, I guess. And at that, Clarice snatches up her broom again and starts skating across the rink, yelling at the top of her lungs. I'm a witch! <laughs> Yeehaw! <laughs> it's snowing. It's dark, and it's snowing. And it's snowing so hard you can hear the snow fall. Which, for those of you in the audience who have never heard snow fall, it's amazing. It sounds like nothing hitting nothing, and yet you can tell that snow is falling. It's filling everything. Inside the Thompson residence, a fire is lit. Two kids are gathered around it, warming their hands after a long day of sledding and snowball fights. Eileen Thompson is cooking up a fresh batch of something. And Maddie is on the couch with Lehman Markovitz. Making out hard. <laughs> okay, well. <laughs> the table is covered with wintry treats, but none of them are sweet. They're all a mixture of sour foods like the pickles and umami stuff. I don't know, different tastes, you know? All kinds of different foods that uh, Clarence and Clarice, who have grown up eating almost nothing but sweets, are learning to enjoy. And then there's a knock at the door. Maddie looks over at Eileen in the kitchen, and they both shrug, neither expecting guests and neither supposing that anyone should be traveling about in snow so thick. So Lehman gets up and motions to the door, and Maddie nods, and he opens it. 
outside on the porch are the McGills. Cookie face, pizza mouth, and pastry toe McGill. Pastry toe McGill. (laughs) And they all smile. And Cookie Face says, Um, hi. Can you teach us to make fried pickles? Eileen from the other room smiles and says, Of course. 